Revelation 19, and I'd like to read verses 9 through 16 and spend a little time tonight on verses 12 and 13. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, in large letters. <laughs> We'd like to spend just a little bit of time tonight on the verses 12 and 13 of this wonderful reading about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I read that, I found out we're going to have to back up, not tonight, but soon, that verse uh, 10, I almost let slip through, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And if you ever want to study prophecy, it's just going to be the study of Christ. And we'll, we'll look at that at another time. Verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. His eyes were as a flame of fire. This speaks of our Savior's omniscience. He sees all and he knows all. His eyes are as a flame of fire. And we'd like to just look at a few verses found in the Bible that share with us this wonderful truth about the Lord, that he sees all and he knows all. And what he knows he did not have to acquire. Now that's interesting. We acquire knowledge. Now when it comes to truth about the Lord, it's revealed to us, but we still acquire it. He shares it with us, the truth of his word, the truth about God. We learn truth. We're not born with it. 
We acquire it as he reveals it to us. But there's that very truth about God. He did not acquire knowledge. And that makes it his ways are not our ways. He didn't go through the process that we go through. He's God. And it's just a mystery to me that he never learned a thing. And I'm not using that negative. He never had to learn anything. It's always known all things. And God does not need a brain to store knowledge. Now, I'm thankful for this. He stored knowledge here for us to read it. Well, uh, I've, known, I've never known anybody that memorized the entire Bible and stored it in their brain. Now, I've known some that have memorized quite a bit. But I've never known anyone that stored the whole thing in their brain. But we store knowledge up here. I'm amazed at the ability and sometimes the lack of ability of the brain. But to store things. And you know, something will key us and will lead us to something else. Some other memory, some other thought that God has allowed us to store but God doesn't, I just can't imagine God not having a brain, but he doesn't need one like we need one. It's created for us. And it's a marvelous, marvelous creation that God gave us, that we're able to remember things that happened so long ago as vivid as if they happened yesterday. And particularly if he permits us to remember his word and it's really a miracle if he allows us to remember it and where it's found, the address. But God doesn't need that. He knows all things. He sees all things. And he's never had to learn anything. And he's never forgotten anything. And he, he doesn't have to acquire anything. God knows all things, the end from the beginning, and he's never had to acquire it. He's always had it. And I'll tell you, that's just hard for me to wrap my arms around. His ways are not our ways. And so when he has the eyes of a flame of fire, he's sharing with us that from the beginning, and we have to use that word, we use it, it's not... Uh, explanation about God it's a help for us eternity to eternity we use those words but God has always been and has always known and has always had purpose and he has always known the end from the beginning would you turn with me if in your Bibles to the book of Job Job has taken on a true true fascination with me this last time through it, I saw some things in the book of Job that I'd never noticed before. And I, uh, uh, I get to read it again in our Bible reading. <laughs> but here in the book of Job, there are, uh, there's the incident about Job. And uh, as I brought out in the Bible class some time ago when Mike couldn't be with us, I looked at Job, the, the original part, before the fall, and then the fall came, he lost everything. And then he had those three friends come to visit with him, and they didn't say anything for quite a while. And then they started saying things, and what they had to say wasn't worth saying. And that's just the truth about religion. 
Religion finds us, and what it has to tell us isn't worth sharing with us, but we usually listen to it, and we'll argue with it, and it makes every effort to convince us. And then in the 32nd chapter of the book of Job, and I'm not going to read that, but I just want to notice here in the 32nd chapter of the book of Job, the Lord, by his infinite wisdom and grace, shares with Job through a man by the name of Elihu, and I was going to look up his name, but I did not. But it has, E-L, has something to do with God. His, mean, his name means that. And in chapter 32 and verse 1, uh, so these three men cease to answer Job, and that's a wonderful day in the lost sheep's life. Now, he may not think that, but it's a wonderful day when religion stops talking to us and God sends along a preacher who knows something about God. These three friends didn't, and God criticized them for that. But in verse 2, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram, against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. And if we follow this through, we just find through chapter 32 through chapter 37, this kind of context that this Elihu shares the truth about God. And he spares not sharing the truth about God. Now in chapter 37, verse 14, is where I'd like to start reading here with regard to God knowing everything. And Elihu brings this up. And that's the... Uh, responsibility if we're going to share the gospel we need to share the gospel about a god that knows everything we're not sharing the gospel about a god that doesn't know everything because that's not very good news good news is the gospel that shares everything we can about the god who created heaven and earth and he has all knowledge about all things we're we're cutting people short if we don't share with them all the things that we know about God. Let's not make it less. Let's make it more. We can always say, and he's more than that. I can't get a hold of all of it, but he's more than that. When we think about his infinite wisdom, he, we can only go so far, and then we say, he's more than that. Well, here in Job chapter 37, verse 14, we read these words, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now this is Elihu. Now if you jump ahead to the chapter 38, verse 1, we have a greater miracle happening in Job's life. The Lord answered Job. Well, that's the way he does it. He speaks to people through the gospel, through the preacher, and then he speaks to the person. Religion never got anybody off the ground. Old Job never got off the ground. He never got any better. He, in fact, is worse. And yet, this man comes along in the providence of God and shares with him the greatness of God. And now listen to what he has to say to Job in chapter 37, there in verse 15. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? That's the one with the eyes as a flame of fire.
perfect in knowledge. God's understanding of things is perfect. And he didn't have to acquire this understanding. He hasn't grown wiser over time. He was and is always wise to the hundredth percent. And he doesn't gain any wisdom over time. Now we hope we do. That's one of the things that God gives his people some time on this earth. God gives us some time after he saves us, generally speaking, to gain a little wisdom about the Lord in his revelation. But here, with regard to God, this faithful man, who didn't make any points with Job to begin with, but this faithful man kept Job's feet to the fire. God is God, and he knows all things, and he knows what's going on here, and he knows what's going on with you, and he knows every sore you scraped because it was brought on and permitted by God. Now, this is the God whose eyes is as a flame of fire. He knows all things. It tells us there in verse 16, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge. Do you, this is the God. Those other guys, they're just trying to get you to confess what did you do wrong, and that's why you were in the shape you're in. What was it, Job? What was it? How did you sin so that we can publish it and then uh, we can give you the right hand of Christian fellowship afterwards? <laughs> Break them down and give them the right hand of Christian fellowship. My goodness. But God sent Elihu, and through the preaching of the word of God by Elihu, the last chapters of this book... God speaks to Job. Greatest day of his life when God spoke to him. And Job concluded. He said, I've heard of you with the hearing of my ear, but now my eye seeth you. And as a result of that, God gave him all his goods back and his family back and everything. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the book of the Psalms. Psalms. 147 as we think about these flame of fire the eyes is a flame of fire he speaks uh, the these speak of our savior's omniscience he sees all and he knows all everything and as i mentioned it's hard it's hard for me to think about a god that did not have to acquire but he's always been he doesn't have to store information like we do he's always had knowledge it's hard for me to reach back that far and to reach ahead that far because we're so caught and I understand a little bit more about the Lord Jesus imprisoned in flesh because we are we're imprisoned in flesh and we're imprisoned in bad flesh as a result of the fall and we have not we do not have that perfect knowledge about everything that's going on but he does and what he gives us we're thankful for but from week to week, I forget some of the things he's already given me. And then I find out he let me store a little bit. And he brings it to our uh, knowledge. He brings it to our face. He brings it to our mind. All right, Psalm 147. We find once again that the scriptures, as they so often do, share the great things about God uh, we're not at a loss. In fact, we have to pair. 
we have to pare out some verses of Scripture that share different things about God. We never get finished. And Lord only knows we need, we'd like to get through the book of Revelation eventually. But we'd just never get finished if we just went to all the verses that dealt with all the issues about the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe in a hundred years. But Psalm 147 verses 1 through 5, we find out some wonderful information that God's people have rejoiced in. In fact, it's always been a comfort to God's people. When Job saw the Lord, it was a comfort that he knew all things. When Job saw the Lord, it was a comfort that he was all wise, that he had all knowledge, that he was eternal, that he was ever holy. It was a comfort to him when the Holy Spirit revealed those things to Job about his God. Now here in Psalm 147 verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their name. Now, if that's not enough, <laughs> great is our God, and of great power, and his understanding is infinite. Now that's eyes as a flame of fire. His understanding is infinite. There's no shadow with God. There's nothing hidden with God. Sometimes we're like, well, I wonder what's in the shadows. Well, with God, there is no shadow. There is no darkness. He knows all things. He has an ability as God to know all things. He knows our heart. He knows our uprising. He knows our sitting down. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. And he knows all things. This is that God that Elihu told about, told to Job. And this is the God that faithful preachers tell to people that he is a God that knows everything, that can do anything he pleases to do. And he has known all things from the beginning of the world. And he has known his people from the beginning of the world. He has all knowledge. He's not caught short. I, I was thinking today, uh, I, had, I had a really strange assignment today and gave me some time to think. And, you know, free will is just not very consistent. And I was thinking about that today. Free willers tell me that Jesus died for the sins of everybody of the world except belief, unbelief. I've had them tell me this, except unbelief. Now, what does Jesus do when they finally believe? You ever thought about that? How does he handle it? I've died for every sin except unbelief. Now they believed. What do I do? Well, the God of the Bible doesn't get caught like that. <laughs> He's not caught like that. He's not put in a position like that. He already knew what he's going to do. He's going to lay down his life, a ransom for many, and take care of the whole issue for all his people at one time on the cross for eternity. That's the eternal atonement. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42 is once again the prophets of old, and Christ is the center and 
the central theme of all prophecy. It's not some strange thing that's going on in the future. He's the central theme of all prophecy. Every prophet that ever prophesied, prophesied about the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who do not prophesy are prophets that do not share about Christ. They're not his prophets. That's all there is to it. All right. The book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 5 through 9. Isaiah chapter 42. As we think about these flame eyes as a flame of fire, he's sharing with us that he, he is omniscient. He sees all. He knows all. He's take care of all. He is the almighty God. He hasn't had to be educated. He hasn't had to acquire knowledge. And he doesn't need a brain to keep it. He is God. Everlasting. Eternal. That's the God that Elihu shared with Job, and that's the God that spoke to Job, and that's the God that Job rejoiced in when God spoke to him. He wasn't a little God. He was the Almighty God. All right, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5, the scripture says, Thus saith, the God, uh, saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, and He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit into them that walketh therein. Now there's a there's an outline right there. That's quite an outline. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Well, that's pretty good too. Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now that's an interesting way to say it. Before things come to pass, I tell you of them. Not that he's a fortune teller in my foot. He is the God. He is God Almighty. And it says here, well, what do you say about prayer? I have knowledge of what you have need of before you ask. Why? Because he knows the end from the beginning. He has all knowledge. His eyes are as a flame of fire. There is a knowledge that God has that he has had in all of his... Ex Boy, I'm going to get my foot in my mouth. <laughs> all of his existence, eternity to eternity... He has known these things. He has known those that are his. He has known the end from the beginning. He has known everything that will happen to everybody that has ever been. I like what Charles Spurgeon said one time as he got out of that carriage to go into the great tabernacle. He got a piece of lint on his coat and he said, This God purposed to land on my coat as I got out of my carriage. <laughs> That's a God that knows all things. He even knows the lint that lands on his people. Turn with me, if you would, just a couple of chapters, three chapters, four chapters, to Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, 
saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Calling a ravenous bird from the east. What? Just think for a moment. There was a prophet of God sitting down by a creek one time. And uh, the Lord sent a ravenous bird to feed him. Now, he does that spiritually, too. And then it tells us there in that same verse, he, ca he calls a man to take care of his business. We have several times in Scripture, one of them is so specific, that's that guy that... Uh, was there in Babylon and his name was Cyrus and he's named a hundred years before he's born and this is the man that God's going to use to send his people back to Jerusalem he knows the end from the beginning he knows all things his eyes are as a flame of fire he does not acquire knowledge he has knowledge he does not have to store knowledge he is knowledge he is our wisdom and he is our knowledge he has all truth about himself. And this is the God that God intends for God's people to share as they share the gospel. This is the great God. Any lesser will not do. Any less wise, any less knowledgeable, any less will not do. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, we find here... That as this theme is carried over throughout the old as well as the new writings, the old economy and the new economy, the truth about God is continued to be shared. And the Apostle Paul shares he shunned not to declare the whole counsel of God. I'm sure there were a few people that were a little disgruntled with him about sharing some things about God. But that's the God that God shared with Job. And that's the God that God shared with Job that made a difference in Job. I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth you. That's the Job that we don't mind reading about. That's the Job we'll have fellowship with. The Job that saw the Almighty God. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 24. And they prayed and said, now this is, this is after uh, Judas went out and destroyed himself and it was prophesied and Christ is the spirit of prophecy it was prophesied that there would be one that do away with himself and another one will take his place all right now listen to this prayer they prayed and said thou Lord which knowest the hearts of all show whether of these two thou hast chosen you know, the hearts of all. Now we have the word men supplied by the translators. But you know, the hearts of all show us which one you've chosen. Eyes is a flame of fire. And it tells us that through whatever manner casting lots is at this point, God chose a man to take Judas's place. And his name was Matthias, and he's numbered with the 11 apostles. And this is the only time his name is mentioned, but he is all mentioned several times as one of the 12. So he's the choice that God made through the church, these men, to fill that spot. 
Now, one other place. Would you turn me to the book of Ro- turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter eleven? Now we could start in Romans one and go through the whole book and read it and find out how many times it declares to us that God's eyes are a flame of fire. He knows all things. He knows all people. He knows every thought and every intent of the heart. He knows. He this speaks of his omniscience. He sees all and knows all, and he did not need to acquire it. We do. I'm thankful over time we acquire some things about God. But he does not acquire, and he doesn't have to store it like we do. Whether in a book or whether in our brain, we don't have, he doesn't have to store it that way. He just knows. Romans chapter 11. Let me get over there. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now that covers every subject that we have seen in the book of Romans. Every subject that we've seen in the book of Ephesians. Every subject we've seen in the book of Genesis. How, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. There's no end to it. We're thankful for acquiring a little bit, but there's no end to him and to what he has. Now, it tells us, going back there to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19, it tells us that he has eyes uh, were as a flame of fire, and that's mentioned earlier in in the book, of uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, it says he has eyes as the flame of fire. And then it tells us in the second part there, and on his head were many crowns. A conquering conqueror collects many crowns. He's called, well, let's just back up to chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. Let's read that. He's on a white horse here too. Not that the Lord's going to be riding a horse in heaven. He doesn't have a corral. It's just a spiritual declaration about the almighty power of almighty God. All right, here in Revelation 6, verse 1 and 2, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts come, uh, beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, he's the king, but in his conquering, he collects crowns. He is one who goes forth conquering and to conquer. He collects crowns. When we read in history about those who overthrew a nation or a people, they they took the crown. It may be symboled by they took the sword. They, They took something that represented these people and now I'm over them and thank God almighty he takes rebels who have ascended to their own throne and when he conquers them we give him our crown we bow before him and say here's my crown and he is the conquering conqueror turn with me if you would to the book of Matthew chapter 12 I want to show you what I mean by this Matthew chapter 12 He gives us a wonderful illustration here 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 27. He's a conquering conqueror, and he has many crowns. On his head are many crowns. Every one of the lost sheep that he has come upon up to this time, they have gladly given him their crown, and he wears it. He's conquered. He's conquered the hearts of people. He's conquered the ways of people. He's conquered the religion of people. He has conquered the thoughts of people. He's conquered the wisdom of people. He's conquered his people. And he's made sure that they are conquered by giving them a new heart. He takes out the stony heart of rebellion and gives them a heart that loves him. But we are willing to give him everything that we have. You're the Lord. I bow before you. Here's the crown. We cast our crowns before him. All that we thought we were. I'm no longer that. I was talking to someone the other day and we agreed. If the Lord, in the finality of all things, if the Lord, if I, and this other person said, if we discovered at that day that we're on the left hand side, God is just. He's just. Now I'm confident where I stand, but if I stand on the left hand side, he's given me a heart to understand he is just in doing what he does. When he casts the left hand side into eternity, he is just and righteous altogether. And only the church, I've only found people who truly know Christ would ever say, I, he can justly cast me out. In religion, no. We've done all these good things. He has no right to cast us out. We're righteous in his eyes. We have our own robe of righteousness. All right. Notice here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 27. He's in a discussion with a bunch of Pharisees. And he shares this. Jesus knew their thoughts, verse 25, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, and he's been accused of that. That's why he brought this up. He's been accused of that. If I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now notice verse 29. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Now, we could put Saul of Tarsus' name right there. How did Saul of Tarsus' playhouse get spoiled? A stronger man came along. He spoiled his house. This is what the Redeemer does for the lost sheep. 
He comes and binds our rebellion. He comes and binds us. He conquers us. He is a conquering conqueror. And he conquers his people and binds them. Binds their rebellion. Gives them a new heart. And in so doing, they give him their crowns. And that's why we have this one with all those crowns. He has a crown. He's had a crown from eternity. But in the redemptive work of his people, all those he's redeemed, all those he's brought to Christ, all those he's given the new birth, they willingly, and in fact, we find they become his footstool. Would you, would you, given the opportunity, would you hold the feet of Jesus? We do that in heart. We doing that. <laughs> Until every enemy be made his footstool. All of God's people are holding the feet of Jesus. Where do we gather? Where do we assemble? Where does the church assemble? At the feet of Jesus. He's going to overcome every enemy and make them his footstool. Now, those he didn't die for, that's not even a concern. His concern is bringing in all his lost sheep. That's the enemy that he's concerned about. The rest can speak all they want. But his sheep will be brought in. He has a crown of, he has head where many crowns, conquering conqueror has many crowns. And Christ must conquer the lost sheep as he does here, binds them. A strong man comes along. We just can't imagine how strong he is. And then when he saves us, we're going to spend the rest of our life. Oh, I didn't know that about his sovereignty. Oh, I didn't know that about his sovereignty. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. He just gets more. Now, he's always been, and he has always been the greatest. But God's people keep learning more about him that we didn't know. It's greater and grander and bigger than we thought. And as he allows us to have some more knowledge about him, we continue to say that he is bigger than I thought. He is greater than I thought. And it took more grace to do what he did. And it took great strength to overcome the strong man that was in the house. And then finally it says, and he had a name that no man knew but he himself. Now turn with me to Matthew 11. And with this we'll close. Matthew 11, verse 25. He has a name written that no man knows. Now, the very next or few verses, we find that name. Lord of lords and king of kings. And also we find his name is the word of God. Now, we don't know these names by nature. We're not born saying these names. Now, the only person I know of that was born saying grandpa was Josh. <laughs> He just started right off. That's what he had to be saying. <laughs> I say that facetiously. We don't know the name of God. Now we may use it. But we don't know. That he is the word of God. We do not know. That he is king of kings. And lord of lords. We can read all about it. And still not know it. All of this comes by revelation. Here, Matthew 11, verse 25. Read this with me. Matthew 11, 
verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son. I'm glad it didn't stop there. No man knoweth the Son. Now, we don't know him by nature. We don't know his name. It's a hidden name. We can even use the word Jesus. I had a man tell me one time that if you say the name of Jesus, then you have to be saved. I said, oh, my goodness. I didn't even know nothing, and I knew that wasn't right. People use the name Jesus as a byword. They don't know anything. We can use the word Lord, we can use the word Jesus, we can use the word God, we can use all the words that are found in the Bible, and we don't know a thing about him. No. I use the word Abraham Lincoln. Never met the man in my life. Read a little bit about him. Didn't know what he was like, didn't know what his wife thought of him. <laughs> but when God reveals himself, now read this with me. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, no man knows the name, but he's faithful to his people to reveal who he is. And the very next couple verses over there, his name is the Word of God. And then just very shortly, his name, name written on him is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, if this was written out, it'd be in about this tall. <laughs> That's the kind of Lord he is. And everybody else about like this. He's Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And God's people, just like Job, just like Saul of Tarsus, God's people say, oh man, that's so good. That is so good that he is so big because then his hands can keep his people and lose nobody. 